1: Welcome to Money Sense. My name is Jean Range and I'm a senior wealth advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 in Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building. We're also located in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building, right across the street from Winkies. We are now servicing clients in the Bonita Springs area. Take a look at our website at ellenbecker.com for more details and to learn a little bit more about the firm and how we work with clients. So I have not been on the radio show in a while, and when they approached me to talk about senior living communities and transitioning, I was very excited. And our guests today, we have Pam Fody and Jenny Wagner from Vesta Senior Network. I was so excited to have them on the show because I've worked with them personally with my own family and I've had an opportunity to provide them as a resource for personal friends and clients. So before we get into the topic, uh, I wanna welcome Pam and Johnny, so welcome. Thanks Jean, thank you. So this is a, a topic that I'm sure is on many people's thoughts as we have a population that's aging. And I thought before we get into the meat of our conversation, Let's take a moment and share what led to the creation of Vesta Senior Network. So Pam or Jenny, who wants to share the story? How was this great company created?
0: This is Pam, and uh, I was in the pharmaceutical industry for 17 years. And most of my time in the pharmaceutical industry was spent in long-term care, um, calling on nursing homes and assisted living communities, calling on geriatricians, geriatric psychiatrists, nurse practitioners, pharmacists, and I really saw and learned a lot about the the inner workings of the long-term care industry. And so when a friend of mine in Omaha, Nebraska talked to me about this business idea that she had, I was all over it. I thought this would be such a great, great thing to do um, to help people in, unfortunately, time of crisis, right? I mean, Jean, you know from a personal experience that no one really likes to plan for the day that they need care, right? So by us having spent the time vetting communities, learning communities, understanding what can and can't happen, what people will and won't do um, with respect to care in the communities, I, I think we can really help people out a lot. And uh, Jenny and I had been friends since our kids were little, and Jenny was looking at a career change as well, and uh, she came over to my house one day and wanted help with her resume, and as I was helping her her with her resume, my husband was like, why are you helping her get another job? You have this great idea. Why don't the two of you, you know, join forces and put your power to good? And that
2: was eight and a half years ago and a thousand families ago.
0: Yeah.
2: And when Pam shared the idea with me it just kind of jumped into my heart. I mean, there's such a mission to it to being able to help people because when you're in that situation it's it's overwhelming and scary and um I said it right away. I remember I and we Pam and I have said it again and again. We can use our power for good, help people when they're in a in a crisis. Well, and you know, I'm going to share my personal
1: story. So my mother-in-law and father-in-law transitioned from a private residence into a senior care facility, independent living. And they chose that facility because she planned it out how she was going to move into, we called it the big house, where she would have additional care and help doing some of those activities of daily living. Well, we all know you can plan for everything And your plans often don't materialize. So what happened is her, um, my father-in-law unfortunately passed away and um, she was still living independently, but I was definitely playing a role heading to her apartment on a regular basis to drop off groceries. I was there to help change the bedding because it was difficult for her to lift up the mattress to tuck the sheets and, and all that. Well, one day she just wasn't feeling well. And it's the typical story. Well, well, what's interesting is I could tell she was really struggling. So I called my sister-in-law and based on the tone of my voice, she knew she had to get there now. Mm -hmm. And we sat with my mother-in-law a whole day and not realizing she probably hasn't eaten and had much fluid because she didn't want to have to get up and walk to go to the bathroom. And by the time we called the emergency facilities, I mean, she doesn't remember any of that. So we think she was dehydrated and maybe a little malnourished.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: um, so her transition into the big house never really happened because she went from independent living. And then we had to use Vesta Senior Network services. And Jenny was our contact to really talk very quickly. Talk to me about these facilities, share with us what you know, meet my mother-in-law and see where this uh, best fit goes. So I saw how, you're right Pam, oftentimes these situations happen in a crisis mode. So she was in a rehabilitation center and we were given the announcement that they were going to um, release her and we had to find a new residence for her very quickly. She could not return home. Social workers were involved, they assessed her and we definitely needed to Find a facility, and that's what led us to using your knowledge and your services. So, I'll interject some of my personal experiences as we continue this conversation. But, one thing I wanted to um, talk about is as I looked and researched your website to just kind of dig into a little bit more about your services, you have this tab called education, and most of our clients know. And if you're listening and you're not a client, Education is a huge cornerstone of what Ellen Becker Investment Group does. We educate our clients to help them make informed decisions. Talk to me about this great tab called education, because as I was researching, there's not a lot of organizations that provide so much education. You had some seminars that you were offering that unfortunately were canceled due to COVID. But what made you create this education tab for people to link into to
2: learn more? Well, education's always been, you know, the basis of what we do because, um, like we said before, if you're in a crisis situation, you can't make a really confident decision or or feel good about what you're doing unless you know, if unless you understand what you're looking at. Anytime that you go into a big decision in life, whether it be, you know, investing money, you're going to go to your financial planner. If you're going to sell a house or if you're going to buy a car, you're going to do some research and you're going to probably have an expert of some type guiding you. And so that's that's what we really want to be, but not only just be there as your expert, but help you so that when you're seeing all the options, you're fully understanding. I like this one because it can provide my mother with X, Y, and Z cares. I like this one because it's got a sunny kitchen. I like this one because, you know, whatever the reasons are that you're fully understanding everything you're looking at. It's hard to make a decision. If, if you're just going by what people tell you to do right. Jean, you know, I'm sure you, you had
0: this experience with Jenny. We start every client relationship with uh, an intake call where we, learn about the person that needs care and that family and the family dynamics. And at the same time that in that initial conversation, we are providing education about the different types of care that are available. And, you know, we start interjecting our own thoughts and experiences as to what might make sense for this family. So we, in addition to the, the educational programs that we do, We are also educating each individual client specific to their own needs um, through the process. So like Jenny said, you know, we want people to feel confident in their decisions and education's power, right? So that is how we help families make the best choices for their loved ones. Uh, The the talks that we have done over the years, we have one talk that um, is called Safe at Home. And that talk is is about, you know, how how you can stay as independent as long as possible, because that's what everybody really wants. Right. So we talk about safety and we talk about the importance of having um, powers of attorney in place and and, in looking through that whole process of having all your ducks in a row. The second talk that we do is called Navigating Senior Living, and that's kind of soup to nuts. About the type of care that is actually out there in in the state of Wisconsin, and then we also do a talk called Understanding Dementia and Memory Care, where it really is um, an education on dementia, the different types of dementia, and what type of care is best for people with dementia. And then Jenny and I are also community educators for the Alzheimer's Association. So we have access to, um, to some of their talks too, like the 10 warning signs of Alzheimer's. And, you know, like Jenny said, education is just a, a really big part of what we do. And that is a really big part of the mission piece to our business.
1: Well, and we're going to get into this in a little greater detail in just a moment, but the education, this is why these conversations and this uh, reaching out to organizations like yours should happen much sooner than they really do in real life. And again, we'll talk about that. We're going to be back after a short break. Again, I'm Gene Range and our guest today is Vesta Senior Network. If you'd like to reach out to them, you could contact them at 414. 414- 617-6143. With that, let's take a break. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor for Ellen Becker Investment Group. And today we're having a great conversation with Pam Fody and Jenny Wagner. They are part of the Vesta Senior Network. And I'm hoping our conversation uh, rests well within all of our listeners, whether they're thinking of themselves or a family member or a a friend that might be in a situation where um, those difficult conversations need to be had, where we realize, hey, we might need a little bit of help. And when I think of help, I often think of the safety concerns But as I transitioned uh, my mother-in-law and my parents to different senior communities, there's that whole social aspect where once my father um, and my in-laws were situated in a senior community, we really saw them blossom because now they had this whole new social network. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna continue our conversations. And um, one thing that I wanted to talk about was the process of transitioning to a a, a senior residence. And I wanna talk about some of the conversations that maybe our listeners might be having with themselves today. And in their head, they might be saying, you know what, I can live independently. And then later this afternoon, they might say, I need help. So if you're listening, maybe you're thinking of yourself again, or maybe a parent or a friend, but I want to continue this conversation And talk about what some of your conversations with your clients look like. And I also want to talk about the sandwich generation. You know, here I was, I had a child in school and, um, you know, trying to balance out um, caring for my child, my husband, my house, my work, as well as my in-laws. And you want to do everything perfect. And, you know, when you're pulled in so many directions, something's got to give. Share with our listeners, you know, if they're um, having that conversation in their head, I can live independently and then I need help. How do you start to resolve or process that?
0: You know, what I think is very interesting, and Jenny and I have this conversation frequently, more often than not, once the transition is made, once someone is in their new community, uh, whether it be, you know, a senior apartment or an assisted living, they really talk about wow, I wish I had done this sooner. And I think that, you know, we're Americans, right? We're bootstrappers. We're independent. We're fiercely independent. And and we want to stay that way as long as possible. But what we frequently see is that, you know, the home that you raised your family in, the, the home that you've lived in 45, 55 years, kind of becomes a bit of a trap. Because it takes a lot to manage a household, and that house, may, you know, that was right for us to raise our children in, or right for us when we were in our fifties, just doesn't work for us any longer. Because we've got stairs to the laundry, we've got gutters to be cleaned out, we've got all of these things that really trap us and can really create unsafe situations. So what we see, similar to what you talked about, Gene, what we see is actually moving to a community creates greater independence, as opposed to taking away independence, because you don't have to do all of these things that just become hard. And so that is a lot of the conversation, you know, that we have with people. Yeah,
2: I think a key word here is access. When you join a new community, whether it be assisted living or independent You now have access to lots of people for socialization, coffee clutch, um, trivia, things that are happening just outside the doorway of your little apartment or suite, Um, and then a library, a shuttle to take you on a bus ride for ice cream cones or things like that that are happening that are more like your choice to participate rather than how am I going to possibly do that? You know, it's, it's there and it's just access, which provides independence, provides the ability to do more things. And I always say people only have a finite amount of gas in their tank. We all have that. We just, this is the energy we've got every day. Why use that gas to like try to get a fitted sheet over a mattress or use that gas to like figure out how we're either going to hire someone or clean, get those gutters cleaned out when we could take that completely off the plate and use that gas in your tank to have lunch with friends or to play cards or to do something special. You know, it, I think use the gas in your tank for the, for the best prioritize.
1: Well, I remember when my father was in a facility, he had bistro tables right outside his apartment door And they did have social hour with real liquor, real cheese and crackers and, you know, snacks. And um, they used to share stories about their families, about their careers, about vacations. And it was really something for my father to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny you share that, you know, it is the socialization was amazing. So as you listen to me share where I was raising a child, working, all that you know, this sandwich generation of trying to do so much. How do you tackle that when you work with the family and you just see that somebody is being pulled in way too many directions?
0: That is exactly what our service provides, is we are able to take the research, all the complexities off of that sandwich generation daughter, because that's typically who it is. You know, there's always a driver in the family. And, that driver gets tasked with all the all the stuff, right? So we basically, in that initial conversation, you know, say to this daughter, "Look, let me do the work for you. I can I can get through this so much more quickly than you can. We will identify the best options for that person, and then we will go about uh, scheduling interview or scheduling um, the tours and planning everything. So all this daughter has to do is show up." So that is really how we help manage that sandwich generation daughter who has so, so, so much on her plate. And what's really interesting is that by definition, the sandwich generation typically is someone in in their 40s or 50s. But what we're seeing, because people are living so much longer, you know, if you've got a 90-year-old parent, you might yourself be 65 years old. And we've seen it time and again where our definition of sandwich generation kind of spans more years than I think traditionally is, is um, thought of. And we've helped 65, 70 year old daughters who are retired and want to go to Florida um, or retired and want to take care of their grandchildren um, or just be able to go do fun stuff at the kid's school, you know? So that is, you know, what we bring to the table is the expertise to, to kind of cut through the complexities so that, that sandwich generation daughter or son in some instances can really focus on the things that they need to focus
2: on. That was really well said, Pam. The one piece I would want to add to it is that by having Vesta on your side, you won't waste time. Every person, especially when you're the driver or the doer in your family, thinks, I got this. I can totally do this. And yes, you can. But what we can help with is that now instead of canvassing The entire community, all 24 communities that potentially could be in that area, that geographic area that you've decided on, we can cut it down to three or four that are really going to work for the care needs, really going to work for your loved one's specific financial situation. We can cut out so that now you're not wasting your time on all the, you know, never going to work type situation and bring it down to these are the three or four that could really work well so that now you're concentrating on the GEMS. And I think that's that's a very important takeaway.
1: And that was a huge help for us personally, where we were given two or three facilities that would best match my mother-in-law, and we could work with that. And so now we weren't analyzing 10 resident sites. So it was such a help for us. We're going to take a little break. When we get back, we're going to continue this conversation Again, my name is Jean Range. If you'd like to reach out to Vesta Senior Network, go to their website, Vesta Network.com. We're going to take a short break. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. We have Vesta Senior Network with us today, and I am learning so much that I hope to share with my clients. We wanted to dedicate a segment on individuals who have a great desire, as we all do, to stay at home. And Pam and Jenny, I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about the pros and cons and how do you process this decision? Because at the end, we know everybody wants to stay at home, and we know you could kind of strategize. To do different things. So I'm going to turn this over to either Pam or Jenny and who'd like to talk about pain at home and how do you plan that out?
0: The most important thing we believe is that our clients make sustainable choices. Sustainable choices from a financial perspective, but also from a care perspective. So when you're looking at staying at home, there are home care companies out there that can provide, you know, caregivers that can come in and help you, you know, like you talked about, change the sheets on the bed, maybe prepare some meals, maybe be there in the home while you shower so that you're safe. Um, Those are all really good things to get help with. Now, the challenge is, is, that everybody has a nest egg, right? Everybody has a, a finite amount of financial resources. So you always want to be sure that you are using your financial resources strategically and to the best end. So, a lot of times it makes sense for someone to have caregivers come into the home when they really only need occasional care. And we actually were able to uh, help my husband's aunt stay in her home an entire year longer by just having someone come in three days a week to prepare some meals so that she was eating healthy Um to do her laundry so she wasn't going into the basement to take her out for lunch so that she stopped driving and that really made a lot of sense and she had caregivers in about nine hours a week so three times three and that was very financially sustainable for her however when someone starts needing more hours of care When someone starts needing daily care and long hours, now you really need to make a a financial decision as to whether or not that's the best way to use your funds, because You know, we always say you can't plan a fall, right? So if you have someone just coming in a few hours a day and you're home alone, 16 other hours, are you throwing good money after bad? So that is something that we really try to help people understand that staying at home is great, um, but do it as long as it makes sense financially and as long as you're getting the care that you need because ultimately most assisted living and memory care communities they want someone to be able to pay privately before needing public funding for a period of time so you don't want to spend all your money on caregivers at home and diminish your options because you've you've burned through so many of your financial resources if that makes sense
1: it does and you know that's something for i think all of our listeners today to reflect on As much as we want to stay at home, you don't want to use all those resources because your options are fewer and fewer when you do need care. And obviously, long-term care insurance comes into play, and we're not going to focus on that today. But if you have a financial advisor, definitely reach out to them. I bought long-term care, and I always say it was the last piece to my puzzle for retirement planning. So I saw long-term care and the benefits of it in my own family. So I put value into that and made sure my husband and I had something. So let's talk about when you need to start transitioning into a senior care residence. And there's a couple different types. One is a little bit more independent living than the other. There's some alphabet soup out there like CBRFs and CCRs
2: and all that. Share with our listeners um, what those are. I can give us a little basics or a little intro to the basics of of long-term care. In Wisconsin, we have two licenses for assisted living. And one of them is called RCAC, which means Residential Care Apartment Complex. That's the acronym there, Residential Care Apartment Complex. And like Pam always likes to say, it says what it means. You move into an apartment building, you're in like a, a senior apartment building, but you can get care there. Caregivers can come into your apartment and help you with a shower. Um, You can wear a pendant around your neck and press the button or have it on your wrist and press the button when you need help. And they're there to help you for the if and the when you need help. You know, and, and there's also scheduled cares that happen there. That is the lower level in general, the lower level of assisted living in Wisconsin. We also have CBRF in Wisconsin, and that doesn't make as much sense as the other one, but it's it stands for Community-Based Residential Facility. And truly, CBRF has replaced what 15, 20 years ago, we would all be in a nursing home if we really needed care. Today, you most of us get that type of a care in, in a CBRF-assisted living rather than a nursing home. And the best way to explain it is that it's all the care you need. <laughs> it's unlimited hours of personal care. So it's when you need either a lot of hands-on care. Maybe you're in a wheelchair and you need transfers to and from bed to the wheelchair. You need help with a shower. You need help dressing. Or maybe in a memory care setting that's also happens in CBRF. That is when you just need a lot of help with every part of of the day. You need cueing, you need encouragement, you need reminders, unlimited hours of help, which today happens in such a wonderful setting, more home-like environment, in a happier setting where we know all the fellow residents are our neighbors and we know our caregivers, very different than what years ago we would have been in a nursing home. And I think that's a big piece of this transition talk. So many people look and think about this and don't want to be put in a home, don't want to go to the nursing home, you know, because that's what's in their brain. And that's why we put this off and that, and nobody likes to change. Nobody wants to move, right? Once you are able to share with your loved one what this really looks like, it is a home-like environment. There are friendly faces. There's good food. There's fun things to do. Um, There's a lot about it that once I share it with a family and they share it with their mom or dad who's going to move in. It's more of the reaction is more like, oh, oh, you know, rather than, you know, it's not so very sad. It's, It's a wonderful place where you're starting to get more care. And it's frankly a relief to everyone involved. So talk
1: to me, how do you prepare? Maybe you do this. Do you ever have conversations with the children on how to present this? Yes. or yeah um you know what does that conversation look like because you're right the parents if they're anything like my parents you know they were a little hesitant on all this my in-laws were much more open to different options but how do you work with families that are really challenged with processing this
0: i think the best piece of advice in this instance is to encourage the adult children to incorporate or utilize An authority figure, whoever mom or dad thinks of as an authority figure, sometimes it's a doctor, sometimes it's a financial advisor, sometimes it's an attorney. And by creating an alliance with whoever or a priest or a minister, an alliance with whoever this individual who needs help looks to as an authority figure can really help make the case.
1: Well, and again, we were blessed where my in-laws were so welcome to this new chapter because they did see it as a uh, relief. Um, So we were blessed in that sense. We're going to take a little break. Again, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about senior care residents. And we're going to talk about how COVID-19 has impacted these facilities. So again, with that, let's take a short break. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And today we are blessed to have Pam and Jenny from Vesta Senior Network. If you want to learn more about their organization, go to their website, which is Vesta, V-E as an Edward, S-T-A, SeniorNetwork.com. So we've had a great conversation that talked about trying to live at home and having these great conversations with family members to help them make an informed decision. And we talked about um, the different types of uh, residents. Now I want to talk a little bit about COVID-19 and how that has changed so much. Um, So my mother-in-law that we talked about entered her senior care facility in March of 2020, around then. So right at the beginning And so I have to share, it was very difficult for her because we couldn't um, visit her. They were very strict at her site. We would initially talk through window screens. We moved to her permanent facility. We weren't even to talk through a window screen because her room was on the backside in a court. And they wouldn't even let us walk in to get to that inner courtyard um, and totally understood it and respected their decisions um, because they were trying to keep everybody safe groceries were dropped off and that was it Um, we did schedule zooms uh, periodically but even when we had to tour this facility the provider just took her cell phone and Mm -hmm. facetimed us so we could kind of see the room but what can you see in that respect but again we had jenny from senior best to senior network in our back pocket so we knew Um, We had so much knowledge that we couldn't see, but Jenny's eyes saw because she knew this facility. So again, Jenny, thanks for all that help, but talk to us about COVID-19 and how that's changed this environment and this industry.
2: The first thing I'd like to say about COVID-19 is um, just like Pam says about where she used to live, it never looked so good as it does in my rearview mirror it's really fun it's really heartwarming to be able to enter communities again and hear the laughter in the dining room and see see our cute people that we we love and we miss so um so that's that's one thing i just want to point out that it's so great that we are able to see our loved ones more often but but you're right that for safety purposes for a while you know visiting had to be kind of shut down in order to protect those residents um, anytime you're in a community setting and, and we've got a, a virus that can spread like it could, um, that, that's the way you've got to do it. And um, places as they have been opening now and being able to allow more visiting happen, of course, are prioritizing families. So before they bring in entertainers, before they bring in anything else that can happen in their community, the first thing is that they want those residents of theirs to be able to see their loved ones. And to help everybody, you know, in terms of if there was one part that was, you know, the most damaging, I would say out of COVID-19, it was folks being further isolated, folks being away from their loved ones, that's tough on our psyche. And, and the whole point here is to keep people as well as possible. So um, so that that was a difficult time. and um, and, I'm, and I'm so happy that we have the ability to visit now and tour and see places. And see the folks inside. You do still have to be screened. You do still have to wear a mask. Um, You know, all safety precautions still have to um, be followed at each community as they see fit. But I think being able to see our loved ones again, of course, is so important.
1: When you look at these senior care facilities, how much is going to change due to COVID nineteen? For example, are the dining rooms going to permanently be changed? Are are uh, we going to be screening the guests and the um, community members that come in for entertainment? Is that going to be permanently changed?
0: I don't know. I don't know if anybody really knows, right? I mean, there's so many questions around the, the vaccine and the virus. And, you know, how frequently are we going to need a booster? And, you know, what about the the mutations to the virus? So I do think that they're absolutely is going to um, remain some level of of caution, but at the same time, most everyone wants normal, right? Whatever normal is. And most places do have their uh, residents back in the dining rooms. Uh, They might be um, still limiting the numbers of people in the dining room at any given time, right? Because, you know, just like our restaurants and, you know, the different cities have different ordinances and, So we are still seeing in some cases where um, there are two lunch hours, there are two dinner hours, you know, just so that they can uh, limit the the total number of people in the dining room at any given time. But I just have to say that I'm just so impressed by most places, most administrators, uh, most owners with how they pivoted so well. I can't, I mean, no one knew um, that this was going to last For a year, I mean, I think we all thought, okay, we're going to stay home for two weeks, and then it's going to be okay, you know. And that wasn't the case. And I'm just overall very, very, very impressed with the dedicated um, operators, administrators who have just been working tirelessly to take care of these residents, but but then also to the added burden, as you said you know, Gene, trying to schedule Zooms and what have you. I mean, that scheduling and, you know, having a, a separate person just managing all of that. Um, I, I just think that everybody that, you know, we've seen and our, our close partners just went out of their way to make this as good as possible in a really bad situation.
1: So before we close today's conversation, I, I'd like to ask a, a question. As individuals or families are reaching out to organizations like yours to help with this very important decision, what's the most important question they can ask um, to align themselves with the right group of people? You know, what questions should they be asking of you of the of the senior care facilities? Mm-hmm.
2: I would I would say the most important thing to just keep in mind as you're beginning the process is that. I'm going to say it, Pammy. Everyone's a snowflake. That each person's situation and care needs is different. And so you combine that then also with what your financial situation might be. You've got a very specific situation that you want to do the best you can for that person. And so... A good thing to keep in mind is as you're starting to tour places or as you're talking to someone who's going to help you is, are they keying in to my specific loved one? Who is she? What are her care needs? What could happen in the future? What do we need to think about? Um, And what is her situation that could be different than anyone else's?
1: And that's great insight. Pam, you were going to add something.
0: I I was simply going to say that, no two facilities or no two care communities are created equally. And even though we have the the two specific licenses in the state of Wisconsin, there's a lot of latitude within each license and each individual community is going to choose how much they're going to do, how little they're going to do and, you know, and that's fine. These are, you know, privately run businesses, but that's why it's important to have help and have someone with experience to know what happens inside each of these facilities.
1: Well, this has been a great conversation and I want to thank you for your time. Again, if you want to reach out to Pam and Jenny, go to VESTA, V-E is an Edward, S-T-A, Senior Network.com. Don't forget Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 and on Sundays from 12 to 1. If you'd like today's show and want to know more, please visit our website at www.ellenbecker.com or give us a call at 262-691-3200. As always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Be well.